You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List online. Lucky you. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, because I'm the only bastard who does this. Who else would it be? I've got an interview subject that I'd love to share with you. It's Hayden Smith from a Sydney band called Locked in Lummo. Now, the reason for the chat is because the lads have two singles in market. One's called Two Shoes, and the other one is called Main Thing. And I reckon Locked in Lummo are one of my favourite Australian bands to emerge in the last few years. The fact that they come from Sydney, a tough town like Sydney, just warms the cockles, I must tell you, because Sydney has been devoid of music for a long time. It must be said, there are bugger all bloody venues for up-and-coming bands to play, but somehow Locked in Lummo have found a way to emerge from that difficulty and produce a sound that is, frankly, unlike anybody else out there at the moment. Highly rated, but... These guys back it up. So anyway, here he is, Hayden Smith from Locked in Lamo. Okay. Hey. How are you? I can. I good. Haven't got your. There you go. Okay. We're good. Uh, we're good. We're solid. Yeah, that's heaps better. The clarity on that's heaps Perfect. better. Awesome. How's things been, mate? How's your day? What's What's the day held for you thus far? Day for me thus far. Nothing too much, you know. Just went to work, come home, sat in a lot of traffic, and that's kind of. That's kind of it. Sounds like a regular Sydney day. Yeah, Sydney pretty much. Doesn't nothing much really seems to change. Jesus Christ! Yeah, my mother lives in Sydney, mate. It's just bedlam down there. You are you like uh, inner west or whereabouts are you? No, I'm kind of southwest, but travel towards the city every day, and just and school's just gone back, and everyone's just kind of coming down a lockdown a bit more to go back to work, and it's just yeah, it's it's full on. Yeah, I made I don't know. I mean, there's something like. Um, most of my listeners are overseas, you see, so I try to explain to them that, you know, um, you know, the whole Sydney thing, mate, it's a city of almost 6 million people or something, 5.5 million people. There's God knows how many undocumented people in it at any, any, at any given time. I mean, I don't know how it is now with COVID there, but the infrastructure down there just cannot keep up with the amount of people that are in the city. I mean, it's a city that's built for like 2 or 3 million people and there's like, there's like double that in it. Yeah, it's um, crazy. Just you just see everything struggling, and there's just some parts of the roads, man. It's just you, and you know you're gonna get stuck there every day. Anyway, yeah, mate. Full I, on. Know. I know, mate. So, mate, between getting stuck in traffic and uh, doing a day job, mate, how on earth do you find time for what you're doing here in Locked and Lummo? Because I'm a fan. Yeah, well, um, it's kind of just something that we love to make time for kind of thing you know what i mean and like it's mm-hmm. it don't get me wrong it's been s- slow going for a while like we've been kind of slogging away for a couple of years before we even really got serious and tried to record a few things like we've only let out the last two songs that we've let out our oldest ones not even a year old yet kind of thing so it has definitely taken a while but it's just got to that point i don't know where we're all kind of getting a bit bit older and kind of want to start really knuckling down and getting stuck into it yeah i get what you're saying oh look i think what you're doing is extraordinarily high quality you, to me you actually sound like a brisbane band and we have it might have been yourself whoever you controls your instagram page we have had an instagram before because i do these these micro reviews and i posted it on my, on my instagram page and uh, for two shoes it was back in march and for for the for the life of me I felt like I'd stumbled into Rick's in the Valley at about 11 p.m. on a Wednesday night when I was listening to you guys. It just brought me right into that environment. You know, a killer 
indie vibe with musicians who know how to play their instruments. So, look, I, I know that Main Thing is out now and it's your newish single, but on the strength of these two cuts that are in market, because these are the two that two shoes and Main Thing, these are the two that Leah sent across to me. Mate, the, an album, surely to goodness, I hope it's not too far away because I'd love to hear what you guys are going to do across eight or nine tracks. Yeah, oh, we'd love to do an album. We're just kind of working on some new material right now because before we had the, the last two tracks we've done, um, we did have a few songs, like probably enough for an album, but they just kind of went up to scratch kind of thing because we were sitting in the, I don't know, I suppose we kind of changed direction a bit in the songs we were writing. Because we, we've, we're definitely going for more that, you know, uh, just rock, indie kind of vibe now, whereas before it was a kind of a mash of a few different genres, including, you know, like a, like a kind of like a neo-soul vibe and some fusion yeah. elements thrown in there, which, I don't know, it was just getting a bit, getting a bit too much. And we kind of just thought about it and thought, well, just, like by all means, we're not, trying to reinvent the, the wheel or anything in the songs we're writing, but we just want to write good, honest honest music with good lyrics and um, that hopefully people like, you know? It's indie, but it's got a rock and roll backbone. You know? Yeah. And, I mean, I think that's really important because there's too much indie shit that sounds wimpy. It just lacks... 110%. You know what I'm saying, don't you? Because you guys have, yeah. re- you guys have got that balance. Yeah, because we don't, we don't want to sound like... A, it kind of yeah, it kind of shits me when um yeah songs just they they're talking about all these like I don't know like feelings and stuff in yeah. the lyrics and stuff but yeah. like what you say in the music just comes out like it's it's like limp and it is wimpy and I just think how can you sing about what you're singing about if the if the music's kind of not matching up needs to hit as hard as what you know yeah I, I just think a lot of a lot of yeah, it makes sense, and I just don't think a lot of songwriters have done exactly what you've done. You've mentioned a few things in there that I think are crucial for anybody who, who is an aspiring songwriter or trying to get a band together. Mate, you, you've, got to, you've got to work to find your own sound, and you know, you're talking about mm-hmm. Neo Soul and some of that other stuff. That wouldn't suit you guys, but at least you didn't release it, you know what I mean? Like some, some people just, mate, they put all this shit out there, and you listen to it, it's like, what the hell am I listening to? It's so all over the shop, and I really, I've got to say, man, I find it with Australian bands. You know, it's like they're trying to copy what's going on in the UK or the US still. It's it's like after all of these years of having so much great music come from, particularly from Sydney, like Sydney's a tough town for music these days. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like remember back at, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, Sydney had some absolutely killer bands coming out of there and probably the greatest Australian bands of all time come out of Sydney, ACDC, In Excess. You know where I'm headed. You know, the Angels, yeah. I think, were out of Sydney as well. These are unbelievable bands who who made a massive mark on the world stage. You know, our biggest bands by far, ACDC and In Excess, made their mark on the world stage. But I think with the lack of opportunities to play live, as it's sort of progr- over the last, and it's been over, believe me, it's been over the last 30 years. People think it's a recent thing. It's been over yeah, the last God. 30 years. You know, where pubs have just gone boom, boom, replacing the pokies and that limp DJ shit. And yeah. And and it doesn't give bands an opportunity to really air things. So how did you guys figure that out? How to get your sound? Because it's a very mature sound you've got. And I, 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 my my view on these things is you've got to play live in order to figure things out. But did you guys manage to do it in the rehearsal room? Ah, uh, no, I don't think we did it in the rehearsal room because all all the all the guys in the band 
we we were playing in bands in different bands for a long time, and as you said, we we to put it simply, we're playing shit music, you know. Mm. And when we play it, no one would really vibe it that much, except for maybe the other musicians in the room, and they'd say, "Oh man, that was a sweet chord change you did from that C dominant seven that led really well <laughs> into the F major." You know what I mean? Yes. And it was just a big like, you know, big backpack for all the musicians in the room and and the average punter obviously wasn't really enjoying it and then my influences were never that so I don't know why I was playing that for like a good year and a half two years because I loved all those bands you were saying all that you know the old pub circuit bands that's like such good rock and I think it just come to a point where I don't know it wasn't really like a self-realization but we just kind of it just kind of came around that we were I suppose you got to have a level of like self-awareness of what you're playing. Yes, yeah. And so many bands that I meet just don't. And they just think, oh, you know, I'm playing this music. Like when's this break going to happen? Why aren't people coming to my shows? And they just never put two and two together that, I don't know, it's, it's the music that you're playing just isn't, isn't up to scratch. It doesn't know what it is or you're trying to do too many things or, I don't know, everyone's trying to be so different. But as you were saying, like all those great bands, like these days you talk to young bands and a lot of it's like um, a lot of them get overlooked. Like they're like not mm-hmm. cool anymore. And it's really, um, oh, what's the word? Like um, it's kind of like musical elitism. Like it's not cool to say that yeah, if I go, oh, you know, absolutely. that ACDC song rocks. And someone goes, oh, that's that's so boring. That's just rock. That's four chords. You know what I mean? But like, it's what the people want. So give it to them. Yeah, that's what I right, think anyway. Yeah. Well, no, they're, they're great points again, mate. You know, it's there's that dreadful OK Boomer tag that I see on Facebook. There was a, I, the bass player down in Melbourne, being a bassist myself, I tend to, it's one of the only Facebook pages I interact with actually is in terms of commenting and stuff. And um, yeah comment uh, the the guy down there his name's guy he's a good bloke actually i buy a lot of my stuff from him and uh his post i think was uh favorite baseline or favorite aussie basis of course i got like two or three hundred you know heaps i don't know it was heaps of posts anyway and right up the top it was i think i was talking about ronnie francois from Eurogliders, who i was spoken to before peter gifford from midnight oil and uh the bloke from mondo rock whose name escapes me at the moment but killer baselines man like just Man, they're there. I mean, you know, Power and the Passion, Peter Gifford's bass line and that is all time. It's basically a guitar line done on a bass, but yeah, in a total rhythmic bass style. It's just a killer, nasty, tasty bass lead. But, of course, you get these OK Boomer tags. It's like, have you listened to these guys? I mean, it doesn't matter what music you're playing. You can learn so much by listening to these guys. It's not, it's not a case of the fact that they're in the 80s, let's leave it there. I mean, this shit is universal. And it... It's just, yeah, I just can't believe how overlooked it is because, like, everyone who was playing then on that, like, pub scene in Australia had chops. Like, all the singers' ranges are, like, mm-hmm. colossal and they're chopping out. And like you say, the bass lines, even, like, the bass line that came to my mind when you're talking about that, it's, um, the start of River Runs Dry, that oh, bass nice. line yeah. is just absolutely pumping. And then the drums come in and it's almost like math rock when it comes in, but it's just like this... Everyone be like, oh, it's Aussie rock, not interesting. But it's so just good music, you know? Yeah, I can't and, um, stand the I cultural cringe. Yeah, the cultural yeah. cringe really pisses me off because we've had some of the greatest musicians of in rock history come from Australia. And I challenge anybody on that. I mean, our pub scene inspired the grunge scene. 
we had we've got bands that came from Australia that like Lime Spiders and stuff that are still influencing bands overseas. Like people are discovering their old EPs from the eighties and shit. And I can hear bands coming out of the states now that sound like the Lime Spiders. The Goo Goo Dolls covered them for God's sakes. You know when they did that cover of Slave Girl off uh, a boy named Goo. In 1996, you know, these are bands that, you know, you talk about musicians earlier that musicians lean into and then inspired by and then sort of repackage it and then bring it to people again. But a lot of Australian artists aren't doing it. New, newer ones yep. like you guys, and I just and I think that's why I connected with your music so much is because, you know, I, you, you guys are honouring that spirit. Yeah, and I, I hope we are too because it was, it's something that I feel like real strongly about. Because they're all, they're all my major influences. I'd be lying if I said they weren't. Um, hmm. There are there's still a fair few like new Aussie bands that are like playing on Triple J right now that I, that I love as well. But there's definitely a lot of local bands that just aren't. I don't know what I don't know what they're playing. You know what I mean? I'm not saying like we're better than any of them or anything. Cause, like we're you're, not be, you're better than ninety nine percent. You're better than ninety nine percent. I'll share that with you now. And I've, we've only just met, so I've got no skin in the game. But as far as uh, me as someone who listens to things both as a fan and critically, um, you guys, you guys. I mean, if it was a, it was a fairer world and you know there's less bullshit going on, you guys would be given an opportunity to support the Stones or something like that to get your music out there. That's that's what probably, sh- you know, you guys are at that level. I think musically speaking, you know, it's just. It's it, it, you guys have definitely got it going on, and the other thing I loved about you guys is your artwork is fantastic. You know, and and the artist that you worked with, who you told me or whoever controls the Instagram account, was uh, William Gambitsky. Hope I pronounced his yeah. name there. So I mean, look, you've you've clearly asked him to do the artwork for both singles that are in market. So I, I love that. I love that you've found somebody to connect with to help you guys, and it's got a real Australian quality to it too. You yeah. know, like the watercolors that he's used there. It's very, it's a bit like what Reg Mombasa was doing with, um, what band was he in? Was it not Mentals? God, what was it? Well, Jesus. Um, oh, I've got a mental blank. Black Sorrows is one, but there was the one before that that he was in. Yeah. Was it Jojo Zep or something? I don't know. I can't remember now. But, but you know where I'm coming from. Like, you guys have got mm. the whole package together. You've actually thought about the whole thing, the, the artwork itself. To, yeah. You know, I'm at a point now where. I'm starting to look at the artwork as a bit of an indication whether or not the artist is taking what they do as seriously as other artists, and you guys are. Yeah, hundred percent. And we're we're super lucky to have him on board because he's just he's just one of our mates. So he does it for basically nothing for as much as we can pay him, which isn't much, believe me. But um, hmm. yeah, I think it's important to have that continuity, and um, the artwork's got to relate to what the song is about, you know. And there's always been a twist on it, but I always send him photos. And it's just, it's honestly, those two scenes in the artwork um, are just local places pretty much to me with some bits here and there changed. But, it, yeah, the whole colour palette is something we really focused on to give it that real Australiana vibe and like a a sense of uh, space, I suppose, we wanted in there because I feel like we try to make the songs big and, and spacey and, you know, that just reflects the whole kind of country, I think, in a way. But I do know what you're saying about the artworks. I think a lot of bands just find a photo and chuck it on the cover and kind of be done with it. Yeah, it's an afterthought. It's just something that they yeah. feel they've got to do. So it, it hasn't got that, that, you know, implant image here thing on uh, Spotify or, uh, or or iTunes music. And uh, it, it suits what you guys are doing. It took me... 
I was what I like to do is actually enlarge the image and the the artwork yeah. and actually look at the image when I'm listening to a song, especially if it's a single like what you guys do and see what the relationship between the two is. So outside of the fact that he's using watercolors and it's it's very it's got that broader Australian context. Is there anything about the two pieces of art that do link in with the lyrical themes that you've chosen to sing about uh, across both songs? Yeah, I would say so. So the first, the first one for two shoes, it's like the the power lines coming across the hill. Yeah, yeah. kind of thing, and um, that's just like on the highway between my house down south and Wollongong, which is like another city. It's just a big grass field, and I have the power lines run all the way down. Hmm. And I just always used to look at it when I was just a little kid, and I just loved the space. And usually it was like a winter time thing. And, like, the, the grass on the ground was always, like, it looked crispy and warm, but it was just, like, freezing cold outside. Mm-hmm. And that's just something that stayed constant through my whole life, and I've driven past it probably a million times kind of thing. And Two Shoes is about that um, time just flying by and you're not feeling like you can kind of catch up. So that was just – and that was something that stayed constant, so I wanted to put that in a, in there, if that makes sense. It does and make then, sense, um, yeah. And then for main thing – the road we've changed a bit but out of the suburb where i live you go over the hill to like come out of it and i took a photo of that road they kind of recreated it and you can see um ansto which is like the nuclear medicine facility or something that's out oh lucas heights is it yeah lucas heights yeah 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 and that just sits above the trees there, and it's just like, and they put like the, the cage around the nuclear part to stop the planes, and I think that happened maybe after nine eleven. But it's just like so imposing on the landscape and the trees around it because it sticks out like a massive box kind of thing. <laughs> I've never seen it. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah, I've, I can probably yeah, Google just, Map it now and have a look. Maybe, maybe I can't. Maybe yeah. they've blocked it out, but yeah. Yeah, it's just a real interesting thing to look at. So I just thought, I don't really know why I wanted that in there, but I suppose, again, it was just something I'd seen every day and it's just stayed there forever. And I just really wanted something that was local too and grounded the song for me, which because, you know, I think that's the only nuclear reactor in Australia or Southern Hemisphere or something. I think so. Yeah, I think it is. You're right, yeah. And I feel like that artwork, because it's so, I don't know, recognizable to the area where i live it kind of brings the song home to like so you know where it's from kind of thing nice. that makes sense it does yeah. yeah have you thought about doing up merch merch items with this sort of stuff on it like t-shirts that's all uh, we did some t-shirts um for, for our first single launch with two shoes which was like had the artwork on the back i think and they had like the power we took the power lines out of the photo okay. got will to do that for us and it just had the power lines on the front of the t-shirt kind of thing so I'm not really a fan of the like just putting like the name of the band on there. Like I know you probably should, but I just like the idea of being a bit ambiguous, kind of that well, stuff. But we didn't sell it yeah. online or anything. Yeah, I'm a I'm a massive metalhead, right? I love heavy metal mm-hmm. and extreme metal. It's it's what I live for a lot of the time. Musically speak, I like all sorts of music, but that's the music that has really truly given me the opportunity to to do this podcasting venture. But yeah, I, I've got a few t-shirts, man. Believe me, I tend to buy a, a, a tour t-shirt whenever I go and watch the band and then catch up with them afterwards because I just want a memento. Yeah, sure. But I never wear them, and the reason for that is it's too obvious. You know. Yeah. I think my Living Colour t-shirt is my most worn one of the last five years by far because I just love the band so much. But outside of that, mate, I'm with you. I wish that more merch lines were just 
you know, a bit ambiguous, but you know, but it, you wear them for yourself, so you know when you're wearing it what you're repping. Exactly, and if someone asks, you can tell them, and that's that's why I forgot to say this before. That's why too we didn't put our name and um, the single name on the artwork both times. We just left it as a standalone artwork because I think that's what it should be. Because in its own right, those two pictures like they're amazing to look at. So I didn't want to put any words on top of it. So when it's yeah. on Spotify, you can yeah. just enjoy the picture. So that's right. kind of where we went with the t-shirts as well, kind of thing. Yeah, sweet. Yeah, oh, a great idea, mate. And uh, look, with I, I know you're the vocalist, but do you write the music as well, or can you tell me how you guys actually get together and write the music? Yeah, so usually it comes with some sort of idea that I've had. Um, so I just just play rhythm guitar. I'm probably the least like musically on an instrument. Can can't do that much shit. So, just comes from usually just a, like a singer songwriter idea that I have. Yeah. And then we go and just like flesh it out in a jam and whatnot. And then all the guys chop out and stuff. But I'm, and they can play the house down, and they will if you let them, kind of thing. Yep. And it's just that you got to find that nice kind of just happy medium between a good song and not overplaying in the song. So I think that's my main role in the band. But the guys are kind of, they're good enough to know. They kind of, they're really good at feeling. You know, it's hard to say to someone, oh, just just feel it, you know, because you're kind of asking someone to, you know, like just feel what I feel and play the song kind of thing. But they are really good at that. Yeah. It's not many times where I'm like, oh, don't, don't play that. You know what I mean? But as I long as they're kind saying. of hitting those points and kind of invoking some sort of feeling, then I'm, I'm pretty stoked. And it's then tough, that's kind of the song. Yeah. I mean, it's it's difficult. I think I understand what you're saying like, from the perspective that as a, as the singer, you know, it probably helps that you've only got a limited understanding of the instrumentation, though, because then that means that like there's those famous stories about Steve Tyler being a drummer from Aerosmith and yelling at Joey Kramer, their actual drummer, constantly to the point where yeah. he's even stepped out of the band a few times. I think because he's just got jack of it. You know, but the thing about that is, I mean, you, I mean, you know, broad term here, but you're explaining the vibe of the song to fellow musicians in the band, and you, you, they can play. I can tell, and and to your point too, nobody's overplaying either, but it is accomplished playing. Nobody's exactly. fucking around. I'm not. When I listen to you guys, I can tell nobody's fucking around. Nobody's a passenger. It's just that you've chosen to play that. It's like, yeah, we could play more, but we've chosen to play this. Exactly, and that's it's because that yeah, it is the kind of the package. But yeah, you've you've definitely summed it up right there, massively. And then I think always the songs change a bit too, and we take them in the studio and kind of have a second look at them, and then see what other production and sounds we can get when we're playing. And then yeah, and then a finished product comes out, and hopefully they'll keep being all right, <laughs> kind of thing. So with, with the recording side of things, is it the typical? Pro Tools or Avid set up on your Mac at home, that sort of thing, and you just go to a studio to do the drums, or how does that work? Oh, we'll pr- we've been heaps lucky. We've kind of, um, kind of don't really know how it happened, but we um, we linked up with um, Ian Burney, who's the bass player from Birds of Tokyo, and oh, he's that been makes sense. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and he's been really good to us and kind of taken us under his wing, and it's been like an awesome musical mentor and someone that and he has a little studio so we go around there and smash the drums out and just record and all it's not a crazy setup it's just kind of like two two small little rooms and we smash out all the stuff in there and 
fiddle with it and just play around on like a little MIDI synths and try and get some cool sounds out. But it's just, I think the most valuable part of that is just having someone who's, you know, played in a big band and, and a big, big popular band and he just like approaches everything, doesn't bring his ego into anything and just offers us so much insight. And, um, yeah, so that's probably the, he's, yeah, more or less the fifth member of the band, just not in the band. That makes yeah, sense. I get you. Well, that makes sense because I know Adam Adam owns uh, Firestarter, and that's how you, yeah. the relationship no doubt came about with Firestarter. You know, so I I, I had a chat to Seegers before. Um, she's also on uh, Firestarter as well, but she's over in Perth there. So, is it is it the strategy? I mean, COVID obviously you can't play except for doing some. Uh, oh, you maybe can you play these days in Sydney? I know up here you can play um, a little bit. Yeah, sometimes you can, but it's it's a it's like a sit down thing, small capacity. Um, I think venues are really, and there's only some venues doing it and they're kind of choosing who they're booking and they're always kind of like the next tier up artist that they know they can sell a hundred tickets at, you know, 70, 50 to 70 bucks kind of thing in mm-hmm. two sittings. I think it is because you have to have dinner or something like that. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. The, oh, look, I understand why they've got to have those rules, but it makes 100%. it extremely difficult for you guys. To uh, promote an album like this, look, oh, sorry, promote the sort of songs that you you do put together. But look, ordinarily, uh, I don't do this often, but I'd, I'd give you a very strong encouragement to leave Australia and go to the US or to to Europe somewhere, uh, like uh, England or London. Is that something that you've ever talked about as a band? Like, you know, if we ever do go back to normal in inverted commas, that could be on the cards. Yeah, well, I don't. We kind of have to get some sort of contacts and stuff, but obviously that's the dream, you know, to try and take somewhere out of here because, I don't know, the Australian music bubble is so small and I think yeah. a lot of bands in Australia don't realise how small it is and just the there's a whole massive market out there that just eats up music, you know what I mean? And definitely a lot of bands in Australia, I feel like up-and-coming ones sound a lot the same because they're always trying to go for the same, I don't know, sound if that makes sense, to get big here. Like, there's definitely a a stereotype band here. Well, it's so a I Triple think- J thing, mate. I think Triple J got a lot to answer for, in my view. You know, I mean, they're, they're, we're the taxpayer pay for them, okay? You've got to keep that in mind. Yet they keep on pushing urban music and hip-hop constantly to the expense of rock and roll. And, look, a lot of people would be very happy for them to play rock music again. But they just don't do it. They, they, they have some bullshit little segments that they put together but i rarely listen to them in the morning or in the evening on the drive time segments whatever they're called these days um but when i do listen to them mate i'm not hearing anything that i really want to get into and it's not just me by the way i'm i'm talking on behalf of a whole bunch of people look i'm 42 so i did grow up with triple j and i'm not saying for a moment that i want to hear nirvana and soundgarden and faith no more back on on drive time i don't i want to hear you guys I want to hear bands like you guys who are given an opportunity because at this point in time, you know, they're so political too. They've gone and gone that hard left angle and so much of what they do has got to have an activist aspect to it. But when you get just a good, honest, solid rock and roll band like you guys, it just gets overlooked. So that's one of the key reasons that I said, if you, you know, in normal circumstances, would you think about moving overseas? Because I know there's two SER in Sydney and there might be another couple of um, community radio stations there that might have got behind you and four triple z up here which i've been a presenter on in brisbane um does get behind a lot of local music so even moving up here mate might be an idea 
Yeah, I'd like to definitely like in the time of life where we've got to be making those hard decisions in order to like chase that dream. Otherwise, you, yeah, like you said, we're probably just not going to get those opportunities, you know? Yeah, it's just, it's not good, mate. It's, it's bands like yourself. I mean, that's always a fear that I've got, mate, for, you know, when I say fear, it's not a mortal fear, you know, it's just, yeah. it's just that you guys are great. I'd love to see and hear you guys uh, on, on a broader stage and triple in just, I don't know what the hell goes on over there. I don't, yeah. have a clue. I don't even pretend to know, but, you know, every time I put them on, I'm hearing the same shit. Yeah, and then they say, like, oh, here's the new one from so-and-so, and the song's come out, like, six months ago kind of thing. I always found that strange. Yeah, I'd, look, I don't know. See, you guys, I would, honestly, if anybody from Triple M is listening to this, uh, Triple J, I think, has gone. Like, I don't, I don't think you guys would get a, a fair go on there, but Triple M, you might. I would challenge them to put you on at 7.30, between 7.30 and 9 o'clock in the morning and see what happened. You know that? Because wouldn't, people wouldn't turn you off. Yeah. But it's, it's up to them to be courageous and actually make some decisions to give a local. And they say that they give heaps of local bands a go, but they have that fucking... They're far too commercial, those bands that they play. They're not like you yeah. guys where they've got that good, honest rock and roll pub vibe. Um. Yeah, I mean, I mean, look, honestly, we could go back 30 years ago and we'd have the same conversation, to be honest with you. It's, it's never going to change, I don't think. It's just, it's one of those things in my limited capacity as a podcaster I'm talking about. Most of my audience is overseas. And yeah. in that way, I just hope that it sort of helps you guys by getting two or three people. And you might get a radio program who listens to the podcast series because it's happened before. And picks, reaches out to the artist and picks you guys up and, um, and says, well, we want to give you a bit more of a go on this this station here and nothing might come of it, but you never know. Yeah. And that's the thing too. You just got to take all the opportunities and like never turn anything down. Um, that's kind of my, my thoughts on it, but there is a lot of, I feel like there is a lot of people out there that kind of do prey on young bands, but like a lot of like not dodgy, but you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, you know, come do this and I can do this for you, but it's going to cost you X amount of thousands of dollars. Yeah. They're and full of shit. They are dodgy, yeah. mate. I'll, I'm not Never. correcting you. I'm just saying a lot of the ones that I've heard of are uh, completely dodgy. You know what I mean? Like they're signing young bands into these 360 deals when they don't have the contacts themselves. Yeah, exactly. Um, and they just yeah, it's really, really strange, and it should be really illegal. Really, it's it's bad. The music industry is predatory. That's what mm. it is, and it always has been, and it probably always will be. You know, there was you know Kesha talking about her experiences with Dr. Luke, the producer. Uh, not too long ago, that was a couple of years ago, but mate, you could extrapolate that a degree of that across just about every band. Yeah, uh, in, in you know the guys in Guns and Roses, like Duff has that story about where they did uh, some accounting with uh, the the album sales uh, with Geffen, and they worked out that they'd been dudded out of a couple of million bucks anyway. Like this is the record contract that they signed; they should have been paid yeah. per the rate of per, per the agreed rate. They weren't. Duff got his solicitors onto it and Geffen came back and go, eh, we'll settle somewhere in the middle or somewhere like that. Like, that's willful fraud. Yeah, they, 100%. Willful fraud. And Guns N' Roses, if there's a bigger band in the world now apart from Iron Maiden or Metallica, tell me who they would be. But, I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. It's just like you have a duty to do the right thing. Surely to goodness you have some humanity. <laughs> you know, yeah, you like might not... You... Sorry, you go. No, yeah, you're right, but, like, you... yeah... 
might not make as much money, but yeah, you just think what goes through their head, especially with like, you know, maybe if it's a massive band, they might think, you know, these guys are pretty much rich anyway, like what's the harm kind of thing. But it's when, what really irks me is when it's, it's, when it's young guys, you know, working nine to five and then gigging three, four nights a week just to get enough money to pay in the first place. And then you take all their money and do nothing with it. I think that's, that's about the, as bad as it gets. Yeah, I, I know it's it's it puts people off. I think you know, like it, it's of course it puts people off, but it it, uh, it pe- bands who would otherwise could potentially make a living can't, and yeah. that's that's the point. That's the point about this whole thing. It's like how many bands out there are the record labels are now dead. We know that, but it's these managers and these predatory people that are out there who do prey on young bands. To your point, you're pretty astute to pick that up, man, because that's exactly what happens. I mean, even in my limited dealings with people. Just about everybody that I've spoken to, not everybody, but but a lot, let me tell you, a lot of people that have some sort of a management stake in promoting bands talk themselves up and half of it's bullshit. Mm. This is in Australia and it's like, who are you? What do you do? What can you, you can't, you can't promise anything. All you can say is I've got these connections and I think this will happen if you go with me and work with me, but let's enter into a partnership. Um, and if I invest money into it, I invest money into it fully knowing that I might not get any of this money back. You know, yeah, exactly. Like, you're not investing in a penny stock here. You're investing in a band. You can't just buy a penny stock and then rig the system and then hope that it turns a dollar for you or, <laughs> you know, you know, multiplies your percentage of income by thousands of percentage, you know, a thousand percent. It doesn't work that way. You've got to work with bands and then go on that journey with them and, I, I yeah, as I say, mate. I think we're talking about things that have always been there and will probably never change, unfortunately. But we can still talk about them because, mate, it's it's the reality. Yeah, hundred percent. And like yeah. you said, yeah, it is all about working with the bands, and just um, that's why I think for a lot of young bands, including ourselves, just forming like getting relation actual relationships with people and getting them on board, who then they want to help you, and money's like not involved that's when you can kind of be comfortable with it all yeah yeah but when it's not that yeah it's always with a grain of salt i reckon agreed mate well look you got you got a good head on your shoulders there i enjoy what you guys are doing you know all the best of luck with everything before i let you go for people listening where can they go to discover your music um probably spotify is the best one to be honest um it's probably the easiest one to do but we're on everything youtube spotify apple music yeah, everywhere. If they want it, do you guys have physical copies of the singles at all? So I suppose you don't. But do you do you plan nah. on having physicals? Oh, maybe one maybe. day get enough money, you know. But it'd be nice. I'd love a vinyl. That'd be sick. That'd be the coolest thing ever. Oh, you guys, look, forget about plastic. You know, vinyl and cassettes. I mean, because I quite like cassettes to be honest with you, because I put them on with my kids. But but vinyl, yeah, and they're like, cheap you, to make too. Yeah, they're they're bloody cheap to make. You can you can get them made almost anywhere in the world, and they don't cost too much to get delivered to you because they're light as well. But yeah, vinyl. I'd love to hear you guys on vinyl. You you've really yeah. I don't. I'd implore you, <laughs> implore you to release a vinyl at some point in your in your careers. Yeah, I'd love to. Cool, mate. It'd be awesome. Uh, mate, look, what I'll do from here, if you're comfortable with everything we've spoken about, I certainly am. I'll just, uh, I don't do any editing, mate. I just put it up as if, as, as we've spoken about, I just put an intro on an outro, mate, but I'll post it to my, to my feed, mate, and I'll just link you guys in. How does that sound? Yeah, sounds perfect. Cool. Sweet. Well, All right. Really, really so enjoyed the chat, man. Well. My, my pleasure, mate. Yeah, look, I, I really look forward to seeing what you guys come up with next, actually, and, um, 
if Lee doesn't reach out to me after you guys have got an EP or, a, or an album out, mate, um, please just let me know uh, if you want to have a chat and we'll, we'll, we'll go for round two. Awesome. Sounds so good. Thanks so much, Andrew. No worries, brother. All right. Good luck with Let everything, you. mate. All right. Have a good night. See ya. You too, mate. Catch ya. There we go. Told you it would be a good one. That was Hayden Smith from Locked in Lummo, a band from Sydney. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I'm the host of this show, Scars and Guitars, and we do syndicate for the A-List online. Thank you so much for listening.